Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, SVP of Commerce at Razorfish, and Scott Wingo, founder and executive chairman of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This episode is being recorded live from the Etel East Show in sunny Boston on Tuesday, August 7th. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg. And unfortunately, Scott had a personal conflict this week. Uh, so he's not able to make it, which means listeners are getting twice as much Jason for half the usual price. Um, the great news is we have a terrific guest for you on this episode. We have Sarika Puri, who's the senior director and head of digital transformation acceleration at uh, a little company you may have heard of in Austin, Texas, uh, Dell Computers. And I, I probably already blew it, haven't I, Sarika? It's not Dell Computers anymore. Well, it's Dell Technologies. We are now very, very big. It's, it's Dell EMC, Pivotal, all the seven strategically businesses aligned. And now we are a big company, yes. Exactly. I'm trapped in this like old time warp from like the 1995 version of Dell. It's, <laughs> okay. it's, a, yeah. it's a little bit sad. Um, but before we get into that, uh, one of the things we always like to do on the show is uh, get a, to know our guests a little bit and get a feel for how they came into their role. So could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up at Dell? Yes, absolutely. So I started my career at Dell 13 years ago, working on the Dell.com commerce team as a programmer. So I've been a programmer for many years and love building platforms. Last year, I had this unique opportunity to go lead the digital transformation of our future commerce platform. And that is how I came about to this role. And, you know, it's been, ex- it's been an exciting journey being at Dell Technologies overall. You know, I was surrounded by really smart people, good, great developers, and, and, had a, and, and that really sparked my interest in the commerce world. And um, and I consider this like a very glamorous world where you have access to like all the technology choices that you can make to go drive that outstanding customer experience. I'm, I totally agree. And it's odd because in my personal life, I find very few people that think my world is glamorous. So I'm, <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm glad that we are of a like mind um, and, and we're clearly correct. Um, and uh, as we were sort of alluding to before, like, you know, folks uh, probably think of Dell as a, a primarily a computer manufacturer. Um, but as you, you alluded to earlier, today it's a huge portfolio of product b2c b2b products and services yes and so i assume that uh part of the scope of that platform is to uh think about all the different use cases for for all of that absolutely absolutely so what's happened is when i was involved uh you know with building so i've been here 13 years have been through several transformations and this this transformation is 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 really about we are on we're on this mission to go deliver a global cloud-based omni-channel commerce platform that enables our customers to buy any Dell technology product line from anything and from anywhere and also establish a great, fantastic work culture for our employees. And that's the mission because we are dealing with traditional platforms which are you know siloed across the different ecosystems. We are dealing with lengthy releases and inefficient IT processes. We're also dealing with uh, disconnected experiences across Dell.com, Premier, EMC, and the other strategically aligned businesses. Our customers are no longer looking for a specific server or a storage option or a specific computer. They're looking for solutions. They're looking to transform their digital future. 
and they're looking for end-to-end solutions. And we are building this global common platform that can deliver that end-to-end experience. So our customers have needs and they're looking for outcomes. They can drive that entire experience for them. Very cool. And I'm curious, uh, we... Uh, in my my day job, my practice, we we talk a lot about uh, selling and implementing platforms on behalf of clients. And there's always this sort of build versus buy conversation. Was that even in the dialogue at Dell? Was it a no brainer that you guys were that your next generation platform was going to have to be built or like? Great question. I think we 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 go. It's it's like a ping pong game, right? You go through build versus buy. You make some buy decisions, and you realize, oh my god, not so good. And then you end up going down the path to go build your platform. And then you you realize, oh, it's not. Uh, you know, why am I building a platform if there is something that's already out there that can do the same thing? And how can I innovate faster rather than going to have have to go having to go build the same functionality that could be just procured from the outside? I think the key it's not really build versus buy. I think it's not the idea that 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 really matters. It's the execution of that idea. Because sometimes we just don't have the patience to see it through. You know, we'll sometimes buy a product and we'll realize, oh, it's not uh, it's it's too expensive or it's not something that we really want to go down this path. There's too much custom work that has to be done. What was promised is not delivered. And then you go down this path to go build something. And guess what? When you're trying to build something, there's just a lot of like-for-like like functionality that has to be built. And and you realize, why, why, why is this so slow? Like, I would like to innovate faster. So it's really how you execute. And I think the speed in, in how you deliver your software changes to production is the key. And that is why I keep bringing up, it's, it's not the idea that's so much that's bad. That's the execution of that idea that's, that's so critical to success. I, that makes perfect sense. The only bummer, though, is that execution is like messy and boring and it requires all kinds of hard work. Um, it's way more fun to just talk about <laughs> the shopping and yep. like, yep. oh, my gosh, should we go build, buy some shiny bauble from one of these friends? They'll take us to a nice dinner or should we yeah. hire yeah. a team and develop our yes. own But stuff? we're changing that. So we're changing. I mean, I think I, and I said this before. It's not just about, del- you know, delivering another platform. It's about creating this fantastic work culture for our employees. So it becomes fun building a platform. And we are using, uh, you know, what some people may might know about this is Pivotal Labs methodology and technology that really drives employee experience. So we are so centered around the customer. We, we build things that, that our customers care about. We are no longer building things that our customers no longer care about. We are constantly validating, iterating. We are talking to the customers. The entire team is talking to the customer. It's not that you're not operating a traditional waterfall software lifecycle where you have a team in the business that comes up with an idea and you have a team of product managers that figure out how to write, write requirements. And then you have another team of architects that who figure out, all right, how do you architect this entire solution? And they hand it over to a team of developers, which take they can take months to go deliver something to into a, a set environment. And then it might take, you know, another few weeks to get it tested. Now, all disconnected teams, and it can get very, very boring and very frustrating. What we've done is we have infused those, those functions do not go away. We have infused those functions within a, within a very small product team. We are moving away from project-based teams into more small product-based teams. And, and, the, and this team is responsible for design, develop, and delivering changes to production. And how to support those changes back in production. So it's really changing that entire operating cycle. So we are going to actually be on this path to make it a fun exercise. So it's not going to be boring. Nice. I, uh, I think that is critical because, you know, we talk a lot about it's, it's 10% the tool and 90% the people. That's and, right. Um, and so like putting those people in a position to be successful and add the most value seems, seems critical. Um, 
I, I don't want to spend too much time, but just to get like, so transformation implies a, a current state to a future state. So, so the state you're moving away from, I'm guessing you had a number of platforms that came in through your various acquisitions and your legacy businesses. And is it fair to say, you mentioned that the aspirational state is a cloud-based solution. Is it fair to, you may have had some cloud stuff before, but I'm guessing the bulk of your stuff was sort of on-prem yes. type solutions. Yeah, so making the big migration to the cloud. Uh, and then the other buzzword that I usually hear in that sentence that you did not say, so I'm just curious if you were trying to keep it simple for my, my uh, um, non-engineering brain, uh, microservices, are yes. you... Oh, absolutely. I think, and this is where, you know, we've, we've been on this transformation journey for a long time. And and what's different about this transformation is I think we, we took a big leap a uh, few years ago where we were trying to deliver more seamless online, offline experiences, and we went down this path to create a heavy service-oriented architecture. And, and, and that led to big monolithic services that did too many things across too many different personas, and it became very hard for us to deploy incremental changes to production at a faster rate. So we are on this path to decompose those big monolithic services into more uh, microservices, again, establishing more autonomy with, this, with these small product teams that, that own these microservices so they can, they can really leverage the speed in which they can deliver these changes into production. So absolutely, I think that's a, that's a, very, that's, that's a very critical architectural component on how we go you know, drive speed to market. Nice. And um, when you talk about those those small autonomous teams, uh, I always hate to draw analogies to the the, the evil book reseller in uh, Seattle, but like they famously coined this two pizza team term, and it sounds like philosophically that's a little bit what you're yes what you're thinking. So about. what we when I say high autonomy, I mean you need high autonomy across these product teams, but you also need high alignment to ensure they are all working towards one singular purpose to deliver that one singular customer outcome. And um, and these are very small product teams. We don't call them project teams anymore. And there are three essential uh, roles within this team. One is the product designer, product managers, and then you have product developers who are part of this team. And they all work together. And they work, like I said, they're sitting very closely with the customer. The business is part of this team. We are no longer working on requirements to in, in silos. We are very closely working with the customers, validating every feature that goes out live to ensure that it's creating uh, the outcomes that we want to go see from a business standpoint and continuously iterating on that product. So these are like very small teams, six product developers, designer, and a product manager on the same team. Nice. Um, and uh if you can say, are are you guys envisioning this as something that would run on a, a Dell-hosted cloud? Are you guys thinking about leveraging the, a public cloud? Well, I think this is our, uh, I mean, look, I mean, Dell Technologies is a, is, is a unique family of businesses that, uh, that provides all the essential infrastructure to help companies build their digital future. And we really have access to all this infrastructure in-house. So this is our story around how can we deliver a modern, global, cloud-based commerce platform to sell Dell Technologies on Dell Technologies. So that's, that's, a, that's a key part of our success. So we'll be looking at leveraging our in-house VMware, EMC, cloud-based solutions, transforming our data centers so they can act in a more optimized uh, cloud uh, environment, and, and really using our own technology and methodology to go drive our own transformation. Very cool. Uh, and I do want to dive into the transformation aspect a little bit more. But before we do, um, 
sort of when I, when you think of platforms for Dell, like one of the unique experiences that you would certainly think about is when you are selling that uh, made to order or configured to order stuff, which I feel like a lot of your catalog has heavy customization components. Yes, you you rely heavily on a a configurator experience. Yes, yes. Uh, and I'm I'm curious was. Is that something that you also felt like you had to develop yourself? Were you able to leverage some IP from the open market for that? Or? Well, I mean, we're focused on uh, – so we have, we have our own in-house customer experience uh, that enables the configurator both from a front-end and a back-end perspective. Um, again, it's, it's very t- – it's, you know, we were dealing with, again, a monolithic application where your front-end is tightly coupled with your back-end data structures – and with Dell and EMC, the, when the merger happened, we no longer can support those applications that just support one kind of product. Uh, so there is there's a huge effort going on around um, abstracting our product structures. So regardless of what your product line is, being able to go, go abstract these global common services that support the configurator experience and and can support configuration across any product line. And I think it's been hard for us to go find something that can do that in the marketplace outside. Um, so it's really about establishing those services that can be abstracted away from these masters so we can support that frictionless and seamless configurator experience. And we can play around and experiment different configurator experiences, again, closely working with our customers and understanding what what uh, what leads to higher revenue, what leads to higher conversion rates, so that just gives us more flexibility with our own solutions um, as we develop them in-house. Sure. And, and it, it does feel like in the evolution of configurators in the old days, like the goal was really just to uh, reduce friction and enable the the complete complement of configurations and follow the business rule. Like just the basic block and tackling was hard. It seems like today, in addition to getting all that block and tackling, which is still hard um, – there's a lot of art to so which configuration do I present to each uh, potential shopper by default, and what's the highest yes. profit configuration, and what's most successful yes. for that client? And to your point, like the answer isn't the same for everyone. So how do I split test that and and Absolutely. all those sorts of things? I mean, you're dealing with simple configurators that do not have too many validation that needs to happen. The customer just needs a few options and few choices, and they can place an order in the cart. So it's really about providing that seamless experience and focusing on each persona at a time. You cannot build something that applies to all personas and understanding what your persona is. I mean, for example, we're also dealing with customers, for example, if they're looking to install a Hadoop-based solution and they're looking for what are my small, medium-high options. And their customers who are looking to install Splunk in their in their environments and they're looking for small, medium-high options. And that involve our products across the entire product portfolio. It's no longer just legacy Dell, legacy EMC product products. It's it's the combination of products across the entire portfolio. So it's it's really it really depends on the persona that you're trying to serve. Again, working you know becoming this customer centric organization, customer centric team, and working backwards in reutilizing all these capabilities to deliver the right experience for the right persona. Yeah, uh, you know it's it's fascinating. A fun anecdote from the last couple of weeks for my life. Um, most of my clients look a lot like you, um, and you, you guys would be a, sort of a typical client for us. Um, but you know who's getting disrupted a lot at the moment are like food and restaurants. And so I, I have a fast casual client, and they're like, hey, Jason, quick question. Should we be trying to add cheese to the sandwiches, or should we be trying to sell fries with the sandwiches? Like, what's a right. better question for the server to ask? <laughs> uh, yes. And, you know, at first you're like – 
huh, that's really interesting. And then you start thinking about it, and it, it, yeah. it is the same configurator conundrum. And, of course, the answer yes. is exactly what you described. We should get to know all of our dining guests. And, yes. we, you know, for some guests, we're yes. smarter to offer add-ons. And then for other guests, we're exactly. smarter to offer side dishes. So we ought to give the servers tools um, to to help uh, identify those opportunities, and that's apply. right. I mean, and and then also, you know, we are going to stop. We're just going to stop guessing, you know, uh, anymore. We are going to focus on using customer data and what drives that, you know, selection, and then use that to it potentially also pre-compute these configurations. So we don't have to every single time validate, make sure every single option works with that configuration. And um, so we're doing a lot of intelligence around, you know, what's what are the most bought, what are the most purchased items and and having to go reconfigure them over and over again by our customers may not be a great idea. So how can you go pre-compute them? So it becomes like a very fast and a seamless experience where they can just check out with that configuration. So, yes. Yeah. No, there's a, a funny old quote that uh, that I adore. Uh, if we're making this decision based on data, show me the data. If we're uh, oh, yeah. going with opinions, let's use mine. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's absolutely right. Um, so you're at Etail today. Uh, you were on a panel this uh, morning talking about uh, the transfer, uh, business transformation and the transformation aspect of this project. So I want to jump into that. Um, I have to be honest, like intuitively uh, – I think of Dell as, as, you know, arguably one of the very first digitally native companies. Um, and so, you know, part of me goes like w- most, most of these are analog companies that are transforming as a result of digital. Somewhat surprising that Dell needs to transform. Well, absolutely. I mean, we have to transform. And look, I mean, we have established uh, some key metrics that we want to go achieve. And without going digital, we won't be able to go achieve those, those, those numbers. I mean, for example, we want to get to five nines of availability, which is like less than six minutes of downtime every year. We want to get to 1.5 page second speed response times globally. And historically, we've focused on that number in the U.S. due to the limitations we've had in, ac- in accessing the cloud infrastructure solutions. And, um, and we want to get to 75% and above CSAT, the customer satisfaction score, which is really a way for us to measure if the, customers were, if the customer was satisfied uh, you know, going through an online experience. And also the employee net promoter score, we are not where we need to be from an employee uh, you know, engagement standpoint. And and I think we're making great progress. We've seen some really good numbers in the last year, and um, and and those 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 numbers are like super critical for us. So until we go achieve those numbers, we are not going to stop transforming. And it's a journey. It's not like a destination. I mean, you keep transforming. We it still takes us. You know, I remember. Uh, you know, when, and I used to say this that uh, you know when you, when somebody in the business has an idea in the in the morning, if you're not able to publish or or deliver that idea into production that afternoon then you need to transform. Yeah, uh, I, I love the idea that it's it's a journey and it's it's probably a perpetual journey. Um, there's this terrifying survey I saw this year that sort of broke my heart. Uh, Forrester goes out and they, they survey like 20,000 CIOs uh, and they, they said like, uh, where are you in your digital transformation? 21% of the CIOs said they were done. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm like, Man, I'm a bad investor, but I'm shorting all those stocks yes. because and you, if know, you think you're done. <laughs> and it's and it's a, it's very dangerous because every person you talk to, they have a different definition of digital transformation. And and if they think they're done, that's very dangerous for their business. 
So, I mean, every everyone in the company, they have to realize that, uh, you know, the future is upon us. The customer buying behaviors and buying patterns are changing. We cannot just continue to, you know, re-architect uh, our solutions. Every single time there's a new touch point in the market, how do we establish the right architecture with the right processes in place so we can deliver things into production faster, so we can deliver those outcomes for our customers. And so that every single time there's a new touch point in the market, we are not re-architecting the whole solution. Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, what, uh, in a company your size, uh, one of the things that I find to be the hardest is all of those legacy systems were chosen by individual stakeholders, likely based on a, on a set of narrow requirements that they had for their business. Yes. So EMC picked some stuff that was right for EMC and the Dell – uh, B2C guys pick some stuff for the computers that was right for them. Um, and now you're trying to build this global platform. And like usually the first problem is stakeholder alignment. Like how, like how do I get all of those disparate stakeholders to trust that what I'm going to build like honors and prioritizes um, the – the capabilities that that they need is that yes well I, I'll tell you like I I think I'm, I've been very fortunate uh, to be part of Dell Technologies and I think the, one of the best things that's come together is it's it's the alignment from our leadership team it's the alignment across the entire executive teams on what's important this is not led from the bottom this transformation that's really led from the top it's a it's a mandate across the entire company to go transform and and go through this transformation. And we go look at pros and cons. We look at data. We are very objective about what makes sense, what does not make sense across the ecosystem. We are going to pick the good pieces in the ecosystem. Not everything is bad. And then we are going to augment it with, with, with new innovation and, 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 and new capabilities. So, uh, so that's, that's really the approach that we are taking. It's not you versus me. or it's not. I think we have, we, yep. we are past that. I think right. Dell and EMC has, has now come together as an organization. We are now part of the same digital organization and we are all making the same decision we all are operating as if we are one singular organization with one singular purpose so those silos do not exist anymore we've taken those silos you know we've torn down those silos those barriers do not exist for us anymore we're past that nice uh and and so the way you got past that it sounds like part of that was um executive buy-in yes. and like so did that start at the c-suite is that yes where, absolutely yeah. i mean you start when i said you have it has to be it has to be at the top. You merge these teams because you cannot expect the silo teams to make the decisions that are good for each other, right? I mean, you have to really bring these teams together. So really aligning all the leaders to understand that we have one global set of common commerce capabilities. Now let's go bring those teams together. Let's, let's, let's hold them accountable so they can deliver on the new use cases that we want to go deliver. So it has to be merged at the top. So the top leaders came, came together and, and they realigned on what the new outcome, outcomes were that we have to go establish in the company. And, uh, and, and that really helps trickle down the right message in the organization. And then, and then your teams, they work really well together. You know, again, I think collab, if you're still working in silos and if you're still working in these, you know, traditional setup of the organization, then that collaboration and cooperation becomes very, very messy. It can be very exhausting. And, you know, sometimes people lose patience and they leave. Because they just can't get anything done because they don't agree with each other. They don't align with each other. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like get get that alignment from that top, get those dedicated teams, uh, identify some measurable um, success criteria. Then did you guys do some like uh, 
global requirements gathering? Like, how did you guys tackle the the sort of requirements gathering and scope generation? That's a great question. So I think what we did was when we started down this digital transformation path, uh, we said it's important that we go stand up stand up an agnostic organization that's not tied to a particular business. And that's the organization that I'm part of. We said we're going to stand up an organization. We know these changes need to happen. So we decided to go, uh, you know, identify resources across the multiple different teams and we brought them together. And as part of each team, again, regardless of their reporting structures, regardless of who they work for, we, and we brought them together as part of one common team. And, 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 and the way we decided we are going to go deliver on those new capabilities and, and establish the new platform was, hey, let's understand the missing pieces in the existing platform today. Instead of taking like for like and, and you know, because we're supporting our existing businesses, we're running the business, we're keeping the lights on, and we're generating that revenue from our current uh, ecosystem, from, from the current ecosystem. We do not want to disturb that. We want to make sure there is constant focus on ensuring that we deliver value to our customers through that platform. At the same time, there are core missing pieces, core missing capabilities. So let's start there. Rather than doing like for like, let's focus on things that we cannot do on the existing platform today and then prioritize and sequence your platform work so we can deliver on those incremental business outcomes. It's not going to be, let's go in a silo, build another platform, and then we'll show value in three years. This is going to be, what are the missing capabilities? Let's understand what those are. Start building global common services so that it can easily be extended to not just support EMC product lines, but can also support VMware. It can also start supporting selling Pivotal and other, and other use cases. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I'm always interested in... Uh, so usually, like despite the fact that it's a, a multi-business unit, multi-discipline um, project, like usually there's a owner that comes from a orientation, right? And so, you know, even though you're thinking about all the different business unit users, it's not uncommon that like the the platform transformation is a IT led or engineering led, and so then the pitfall you run into there is. You know, how does that team get good at understanding marketing outcomes and supply chain outcomes and all those those various stakeholders? Like, were they like, did you reach out to those stakeholders or how did you sort of integrate them into the process? So what we do is we we start. Uh, so we, we, we come up with the, the, the work that needs to be done and why and how we are going to show incremental progress. And then you and what we've done is we have engaged those stakeholders on a monthly basis. Hey, look at the progress we are making on the platform change on how we do things and and it's really about uh, it's ensuring that you have your stakeholder alignment where their teams become part of the balance team so we have these small product teams where we are not just going to hey tell us what the requirements are let us go build it instead come sit with us as part of the team so we are we're really creating a very seamless uh, you know interface between business and IT we're not two different teams anymore we're part of the same team we're driving the same outcome so those resources are actually part of the same team so that's the that is what Pivotal Labs methodology advocates, where you include your business and your end users. They're part of your team. They're constantly prioritizing the backlog. You're not working on something that's misaligned against the business. And that's how you solve that problem. Got you. Um, and for listeners that aren't super familiar with the Pivotal Labs uh, methodology, like uh, generically you hear a lot of sort of traditional waterfall approach and uh, and you know buzzword now is more agile approach. Yep. Like is, uh, is, is Pivotal Lab... Does Pivotal Labs have a point of view on that spectrum, or is it is it more a stakeholder approach, or what's well, the? Well, Pivotal Labs is is really a is really the methodology on how you 
how you make folks within the team work together and how they work with their business partners and how they work with their end users it's really the methodology your this this team like i said the three critical roles designer product manager and developers on the team they work together in understanding the customer requirement the developers on the team they do paired programming they they use test driven uh, programming practices to develop software so they think tests first before they write any code and that ensures that you know there's there's good quality uh, in the system and, uh, and and it's really the methodology and then also pivotal uh, pivotal also comes with a new a great technology which is their platform as a service pivotal cloud foundry that lets these product teams deliver software changes to production in a very cloud agnostic fashion so regardless of what your cloud environment is it could be a public cloud hybrid cloud you may decide to change switch your cloud uh, but if you use platform as a service which is pivotal cloud foundry you can deploy these applications agnostic of any cloud environment and and ensure that there's an you know continuous delivery in in, in driving the outcomes yeah so it, it, it's really both a methodology and, and a, a tool set yes yeah. um so uh how far into the like when would you say you started this transformation transformation how far into it are you so i um we, we started this uh transformation a year ago and i've been in this job for the last 12 months so it's it's been almost a year. Okay, and and so a year seems like enough time to really get some learnings. Like, have you identified what what some of the big pitfalls can be for this type of project, or like what you know what are the the top reasons um, this a project of this scope might fail? Well, the top reasons the project might fail is uh, people related. I mean, it's not technology; it's not process. And let me tell you, technology alone cannot transform your organization. All the three essential pieces, people, process, and technology must be effectively aligned. You cannot, you know, take a new technology, buy a new technology, and have people working in the same non-agile methods using the old processes and you expect outcomes. You also cannot have people working in an agile environment um, and then ex- and have and not have them make the right technology choices or not have access to the technology choices that can also really, you know, not uh, you cannot drive transformation. So all the three essential pieces must come together, and there needs to be effective alignment uh, across the three essential pieces. And the top two reasons why a transformation can fail is people related, which is lack of alignment across the leadership team, and lack of skills needed to execute on that transformation. And without having the right people with the right skill sets and a shared vision to execute on that transformation. Any attempt to do process and technology will fail. It will not work. Which is a big bummer, I hear. Yes. Uh, and at Dell, did you guys primarily assign dedicated resources to this project? So you took people, I'm assuming these were often uh, existing Dell employees, and so you took them off of their previous assignments and made them full-time members of this team, or do they have sort of a hybrid role? So, yes. So what we did was we... we, we uh, we we identified some existing resources within the organization um, that were truly passionate about building future state commerce services because we don't want folks in the organization to feel like they're not part of the future state because everyone is part of the future state. And um, so we, we, we identified resources across the entire organization. And we've also hired fresh talent coming in from the organization. I mean, to be frank, everyone has blinders on, including myself. And we, we have a lot of limitations. Uh, our approach has a lot of limitations based on our past experience, based on what we've done so 
so far we know this is never going to work we have tried this in the past it never works and the, and that kind of baggage we all come with very heavy baggage so bringing this fresh outside talent in really brings that fresh perspective and 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 things that you may not even know what to ask you know those those folks can really help you drive that transformation so really creating that uh, you know that, uh, that that nice merge team with good fr- fresh outside thinkers merging them with the existing resources in the organization and you should always be hiring for skill sets that are missing in your organization because the skill sets that are needed to transform the future commerce is different i mean they're they're different skill sets you need folks to understand how to continuously integrate deploy and deliver changes to production what does that high velocity environment look like and you also need uh, you know folks to understand how to build cloud native applications and that's and that's a different skill set altogether so it's really about you know hiring those resources from the outside merging them with the existing resources so we can ramp and scale the talent in, within the organization oh, very cool and so it sounds like you'd bring outside people in both from a resource standpoint that we need more resources from a perspective standpoint that they maybe don't have some of the legacy biases and from a skills gap standpoint um, did you also do any upskilling of the the legacy employees that got assigned to this? Like, did you guys have to do more of like the the cloud based methodologies and pivotal training and all? Oh, those absolutely, sorts of absolutely. We're constantly training. We're constantly, you know, putting folks through you know new skill sets that we want them to go acquire. We actually have this pivotal labs transformation program within within Dell, and what that means is that uh, we 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 pair our existing developers with the pivotal developers and their pair program and they're pairing together as a team and also the product managers they're pairing with the pivotally trained product managers and the designers are also pairing with with another designer they're constantly pairing and and they are in a 12 week uh, program where they get officially certified that they cannot think you know very customers they can be very think they, they can be thinking about the customer they can be making decisions that are very business outcome based they're validating their assumptions they're validating their problem statements and their solutions constantly with the customer so so they're really working together so absolutely like you know upscaling that talent is to put them through what we've done is put them through pivotal labs uh, program perfect okay uh and out of curiosity uh this seems like a self-defeating attitude but uh, i sometimes have clients that are like when they talk about uh, getting people on these exciting projects where they get to work with more modern approaches and technologies. Uh, admittedly, one of the risks is that employee is more valuable to other employees. And you guys are in Austin where there's a bunch of tech startups all the time and all this sort of things. Like, was there a fear about retention? And have you had any retention issues or what's the attitude at Dell? Well, the attitude actually, it's, it's, it's gotten a lot better. I mean, I, and I talked about the employee net promoter score earlier, and that's the question that you ask your employees every year. How likely are you to recommend Dell? And, and we see that score going up. We see less and less, you know, folks leaving the organization because they like the new culture. They like the new operating model. You may think that Dell Technologies is a really big unit in a big company, but we are really a small startup within the commerce teams are very, very small startups. So they're highly energized. They, they're highly autonomous in their decision making. They don't have to go through the same, same processes, uh, to, to get, uh, you know, their decisions made. And like I said, it's really led from the top. I mean, our, our executives Executive teams are constantly asking us, what help do you need? How can I help you go move faster? Who's your barrier? What, what are your obstacles? And that really helps move the transformation along. Nice, for sure. Um, let's change pages for a second and talk about the outcomes for a minute. You mentioned up front some of the metrics that you used. Well, um, and I'm sure there's a ton of metrics. 
was there in your mind was there like a high high level KPI or were there like specific measurable outcomes that that came from the C suite that you think about for this project? Yes, absolutely. So one was you know um, we want to deliver future state, but we also want to you know deliver incremental customer outcomes. And how we measure those customer outcomes, I talked about CSAT, which was the customer satisfaction score. We monitor that very closely. We also monitor uh, our page response times globally. Uh, you know, we want to go achieve those page response times. And also we, we measure stability. You know, what are your stability? How many incidents are you causing in production? Are you able, are you building applications that are more resilient uh, and more fault tolerant? So those are like the key metrics, the okay. availability metric, CSAT, page response times, and employee net promoter score are the four key metrics that we have aligned our organization around. Nice. And uh, out of curiosity, um, how deep do you go into something like uh, uh, page response time? Like one of the things I find like, so, okay, so people weren't paying attention to page speed and then they got taught that that's important. And so now everyone <laughs> yes. knows, knows superficially how to talk about page speed. But as soon as you start scratching under the covers, like, oh, how do you measure? And are you using synthetic browsers or real users? And are you, you know, um, you, you, you pretty quickly find that like the whole world is saying like that they're targeting some number, but they have absolutely they're not measuring that number in the same way. <laughs> yes, yes. So what we measure, yes, and we've gone through that evolution ourselves, right? We think we thought we were measuring page speed, but we were not measuring page speed because your browsers are different and, you know, ge geographically, you know, you have customers that are, you know, located where they're trying to browse an experience that's hosted within Austin. And uh, so it's, it's really critical. So what we did was we actually went through this transformation. We are now measuring time to interact, which is your TTI. Yep. And we look at that metric because that really gives you true sense of I was in this country and I was using this browser and, and what was a page response time. And it's so, and that and that data is so important to us. And we have technologically transformed in identifying the right technology solutions that will give us that information. Uh, and and that information, like I said, is so important because I could be sitting in Austin and looking at Dell.com and and these experiences and be like, they're just fine. I don't know what the customers are complaining about. Yeah, the homepage so, works yeah. just fine. But when you look at the data and your ability to go measure and aggregate all this data and have visibility to all this data, and those those numbers can be very astonishing. And, and you need that customer data. You need the data to be able to go make right product decisions. All right. So. Yeah. No. For sure. And uh, one of the things I always. Uh, I'm crying, but I'm chuckling at the same time. Uh, so, you know, someone's thinking about a new platform and they're, you know, they're getting the sales pitch from the platform people and they're like, and let me show you all the cool features. Like this is the super powerful promotion engine and this is the personalization engine. And these are all, you know, and all these desirable uh, things that the, that the, the enterprise wants. And so they buy this platform um, and then uh, the performance team comes in after they bought the platform and the performance experts from the same company that made the platform are like, yeah, so step one, we have to turn off all those features. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely right. And I think it's, it's, it's really important for us to understand what the outcomes are and work backwards. And what happens is you, if you start with platform first, technology first, that's not going to work. 
you have to start with the customer outcomes and this is why i think we've we've, we've gone through this huge uh, transformation where we've now become a very customer centric organization we understand the customer outcomes sometimes it's page speed sometimes it's a great experience sometimes i just need access to these features and functions so let's not guess let's ask our customers and continue to trade on that uh, you know and I, and i like to say the successful digital experiences they always are achieved through iteration using test and learn approaches and and however like it's impossible to go use that approach if your development processes are way too slow sure um and and so that speed of development seems critical you mentioned uh in the very beginning that like hey if a business user has a requirement in the morning and we can't deliver by the afternoon we haven't finished our transformation yet is that one of the the metrics that you use is like time to release or Absolutely. anything like that. It's, it's very critical. I think it's not just about the what; it's about the how. And and we are not and and we are not saying uh, to our business stakeholders, "Oh, we are not done with transformation yet. Uh, we have to go build this platform." That's not what's happening. You know, we have we have identified some critical experiences that we want to go fix. For example, I think we focused on uh, our search experience as a, as a starting point. We looked at the search experience and said, "All right, we not only want to make sure that we have." the right search platform we also want to make sure that when a business person in the business team has an idea and would like to go change something and i need that change made in the afternoon so what we've seen we have, we're seeing some fantastic results uh, you know uh, just accomplishing that where we are now able to deploy our changes multiple times a day to production through a highly automated cicd pipeline that requires no manual intervention everything is automated and we're able to deliver changes to production in less than 18 minutes and that is transformation now we can change the platform we can build new features and functions we may not have the right experience at, on that day that's fine and we'll go iterate like i said the digital experience is successful digital you know properties they iterate their way to success so and uh and that's just so critical the how is so important their speed to delivery is so important if you don't like something no problem and we want to get to a point where we are always experimenting and these experiments are so less expensive that um that we can that we can achieve great success right and we don't have to every single time refactor your entire platform let's go ask for another you know couple of million dollars to go trans uh, you know to go deliver a new feature or function yeah it's it's fascinating how as the the platform evolves it actually changes how business users think right in that if uh, everyone has to fight for these uh, precious resources and there's some, you know, horribly slow release cycle. Then you've got every stakeholder making a big bet and yes. like and frankly, an unsubstantiated bet. Right. Yes. Like just yes. I need this on the roadmap. It's, I'm, I know I'm not going to get it for nine months, but this is the thing I most yes. want. No idea whether that thing is going to add value or not. That's right. right. And the, yes, exactly. And the key to success is include those business partners as part of your team. Yeah. And then have the speed to go deliver changes to market and then they're less anxious. They less they do not panic anymore. Exactly. And what they what you start seeing is as they get used to this much faster pace of iteration it, instead of saying, "Hey, it's the one big bet wait 9 That's months." Right. It's, "Hey, let's test and learn. Let's try something. Let's think about more iterative approaches." Right. Um and so I do I do, you know, uh believe that there is this enterprise-wide mind shift you see as you start to uh, unveil more more nimble um, processes and, and platforms in the organization. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, uh, so year in, like, 
Are there some public success stories that you talk about? Like, are there any particular elements of the customer experience that have gone live and that have benefited? Yes, yeah, so I just talked about the search experience that we were able to go put live. Yeah. And again, we are, again, making very data-driven decisions um, where we are focused on the customer outcomes. We're looking at uh, our revenue per visit. We're looking at, we're doing A-B tests to ensure that the newer search experience is indeed better than the old search experience. And then using those data-driven decisions to go, uh, you know, incrementally launch a more new features, new functions. And I think the biggest success that we've had is just the ability to go launch to production faster. The ability to go automate the entire continuous integration and delivery pipeline so we can launch these changes that require no manual intervention. That has been another big success. Now, once you have that pipeline, now you can go build new services, new, uh, you know, new and add new features uh, to these services. Um, I think that has been critical, really, really critical to our success in the last, you know, few months. And we've also established, you know, great progress across our different APIs and and, and, and the kind of collaboration that we have achieved when working with our business stakeholders and and really transforming these these development teams or product teams into operating in the new culture they're more happier you know we, we we capture their testimonials you know every once in a while and that 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 is also a huge success so that's really changing the foundation fixing the problem at the root and not really focusing on these shiny bells and whistles but but focusing these problems at the root and we are seeing some tremendous uh, you know progress on that very cool. Although as a consultant, I really like the shiny bells and whistles. It feels like how I make a living. But <laughs> yep. yeah, we're gonna uh, get there. But I forgive you for for focusing on fundamentals that actually add business value instead. Um, and so, speaking of time, uh, that's going to be a perfect place for us to wrap up because we've used up all our allotted time. Uh, but I certainly want to remind listeners uh, that if they have further questions or want to continue the dialogue, they can jump onto our Facebook page. Uh, we'll continue to interact. Uh, Sarika, is there a, is there a place on the internet internet uh, where listeners can uh, contact you? Are you on LinkedIn? Or yes, Twitter absolutely. Or? So I'm on LinkedIn. And actually, I was just talking to my sister just before this call. And she goes, why are you not on Twitter yet? And I'm like, I don't know why am I not on Twitter yet, but I'll try to get to Twitter. But uh, I'm definitely... They need the users. They desperately <laughs> need the user growth. Yes, so help yes. them out. Yes. And I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. And, you know, they can always contact me. My first name underscore last name, last name at Dell.com send me questions, you know, I'll be more than happy and eager to help uh, answer any questions. Oh, that's terrific. And I will put those links in the show notes. Uh, as always, if uh, listeners enjoyed today's show, we sure would appreciate it if you jump on the iTunes and give us that five-star review. Uh, Sarika, thank you very much for your time. Until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com.